Community Alliance with Family Farmers presents the Farmer's Beat podcast. That's B-E-E-T. Hi, my name is Grace Perry. I work at Community Alliance with Family Farmers, also known as CAF. I am the host of these episodes where we hear directly from small family farmers throughout California, getting the real information and the stories behind the food we grow and eat. In this series, we pay particular attention to the innovative work small-scale farmers are doing to keep their food safe to eat and share techniques farmer to farmer. Hi, my name is Vemini Sisrat and currently working for the Sisrat Farm. More than 30 years ago, Viomini and her family immigrated to the United States from Laos, first landing in Oregon and then making their way to the Central Valley of California. I've been farming for a couple of years, probably four to five years, but I've been farming for a while since I was young. But for me to actually do be a full-time farmer, yes, four to five years. Because we live, we when we first came to America, we were in Oregon, we went to Oregon, Portland, Oregon. So in 1983, we head to California. So we've been here in Fresno for that long time. That's when they started farming. We worked. Well, we went to pick strawberries at first and onions at other people's crops. When I was younger, that's what I remember. We had to, my parents had to wake us up early during the weekend and we would go help them pick strawberries, onions, and peppers when, we were young. when I was in seventh grade. So that's when they started leasing their own farm. They started realizing oh, we should become our own you know, farmer instead of working for other people. So when I was in seventh grade, that's when they started doing all the leasing the farms and stuff and doing them themselves but I love gardening I'm really an outdoor person I love gardening I love my succulent garden and probably that's why I like being a farmer today we visit Viomini and learn more about her family's farm and their food safety practices Viomini and her family lease two plots of land in Fresno California and build infrastructure that supports their operation but is not permanent Yomini describes the shed built by her husband and father that serves as a storage area, break area, and shaded area during the hot summer months. The shed that we're sitting in right now is considered big in a way. We have a section where they could rest, the employees could rest, my parents could rest and cook, and they sit and chit-chat on one section. On the other section, we have boxes on the side and on the back and then that's where the where we box all our vegetables to go and we put it on the side so that the company could come pick it up. And what's the shed constructed of? It's mainly constructed of uh, wood, plywood, there we go. They're constructed with plywood and the four by fours, two by fours. Yeah, yeah, we build our own. My dad and husband help each other. Oh, it's open on both sides just for the air to circulate in so it's not too stuffy. Extremely hot in the summer, 110, 12 this year, is it? Yeah, it gets really hot. So it's, when you come in here, it's a lot cooler than most of the other people's shack. And we, the reason why we use plywood on top, it makes the shack a little cooler instead of using the tarps. There we go. Because if we use tarps, it'd be hotter and also the size 
makes a big difference. We create a bigger size just so that there's more air flowing through and more spaces for everyone to go, you know, you don't want to sit too close, one go there, one go there, it's different directions, yeah. We have a covering, black plastic covering, nailed to the floor, some paper, cardboard boxes, cardboard papers here and there. Yomini explains why her family grows on two separate plots of land and the differences between the two. Now we're currently leasing, we're trying to find a land, but uh, currently it's a little too pricey, but we're hoping within the next few years we'll be able to have save enough money to purchase our own land, hopefully. That's the goal. We're currently growing, leasing on 10 acres with the both farms, their total 10 acres. If I was to buy a land, I would, we're looking for at least 10 acres or five to 10 acres somewhere we could take care of it on our own where we don't have to lease other people and we just plant on our own land. Because this year I want to try it out myself. Every year it's like I'm working with my parents and we're always having one farm and we always incorporate everything. But this year I wanted to do it myself, see if I'll be able to make it on my own if I decide to step away from my parents and create my own business. That's why it's a trial <laughs> over there. Yeah. So would you say that they're like mentoring you in a way? Mm -hmm. Yes, they are mentoring me. Both my parents are very, they are teaching me every step of the way. So most of them I do know, but some of them I don't know. There's a few that I'm not too sure of, so I just ask them. And if um, something's not going right, I just ask them. Or if they see that it's not going right, then they tell me that you're doing this wrong and stuff. Yeah. It's not too far. The location, it's really close to each other, so that's what's good about it because um, we could run back and forth in less than five minutes and something goes wrong or someone need help, we could just zip back and forth. It's not really, uh, it's a perfect location. And plus it's not too far from the house also. So right, you know, it's all close to the house, so it's good. As we'll soon find out, Viomini plays a very central role at the farm and describes her favorite thing about the farming work that she does. My role at the farm is everything, I, I would say. I'm the employee, <laughs> I'm the employee, the laborer, the supervisor, the accountant, you name it, everything, except I don't really deal with the irrigation. My dad does. I would help put fertilizer and anything else they need, help pick, do errands, do the paperwork, do the meetings. I do everything. It gives me freedom, I think. If you're working for yourself, you're not under pressure. It's more relaxing than a regular nine to five job, I would say, because a nine to five job, you have to meet the demands and you have to make sure everything's done before you go home. But here it's more relaxed. Even though you don't finish the work, you'll still have to do it tomorrow. You have to motivate yourself. So it's self-motivation. You have to be very self-reliant um, and independent on yourself. And if you're not, then there's no way of helping others or helping your own families or taking care of your families and not being able to bring the money in if you're not motivating yourself. When we visit Viomini, the farm is at the end of the season. Right now, a lot of stuff has died. Uh, much of the, most of the steaks are gone. There's just a few that's still up for the Chinese eggplant and the mope. Plastics and trash. Is, uh, there's trash here and there. The plastics are on the top of the rows, getting ready to be put in the bag and going to the trash um, dumpster.
But when in season, they grow a variety of Southeast Asian vegetables. The big farms mainly for stuff that we grow to sell. Here we grow the mokwa, also known as the fuzzy squash. It's called fuzzy squash because they have little fuzzy, little prickly little hair that's on top of the fruit. So they're called mokwa or fuzzy squash. We also have the mope that's in front of us. We have a little bit of sinkwa. We have the Chinese bitter and Chinese eggplant, the Chinese bitter melon, and some Italian sweet peppers and the di- diamond and Thai demon Thai peppers. But the small farm is my interest. <laughs> so at the small farm, we have the watermelons growing. We have the butterfly pea, the sword bean, all these interesting things that I'm interested. So whatever that I'm interested, that's where the trolling areas. This is where all the work, the big farms where all the work takes place and where the majority of the income is coming out of. But the small farm, there's there's some. We have the Indian eggplants and the Filipino and Indian bitter melon and the opal, but those are the main crop makers. But I also, they're also a trial and error on the watermelons and the sword bean and the butterfly pea flower. Also the basil and the holy basil. We're doing errors and trial and error there see what works, what doesn't work, and we're going to incorporate the following year, the next year that we're planning on the season. Oh, we also have lemongrass. That's basically it that we have this year. We plant tomatoes here and there just so that we don't have to buy them, and a little herb here and there also. And who are your customers? Our customers are basically, our main customers are the wholesalers. They take it to LA, get distributed in LA, and from there, I'm not sure. Again, I'm assuming they go everywhere. We send our produce to the KB farm and to the Tao farm. We also have farmer's market customers who come every week to order some of their stuff, some of our stuff for them. And we have our regular customers for our own farmer's market. The Food Safety Modernization Act, also known as FISMA, is a federal regulation that affects all parties involved with growing, packing, storing, and distributing food in the United States. It is the first regulation of its kind to establish food safety rules across the supply chain. It even regulates pet food and food imported from other countries. Both small and large produce farms in the United States are required to follow the regulation and demonstrate compliance. Reviomini, that means assessing and reducing food safety risks on her farm. For ourselves, we want to be able to eat healthy foods where we won't get sick. We want to make sure that if you're picking the vegetables, you want to make sure that it's a type of vegetables or a type of food that you would want to eat for yourself. So if it doesn't look good and and it doesn't smell good, then it's not good. So just don't throw it away and not pick it and bring it to the, the shack and box them. I would say anything that you wouldn't eat, other people wouldn't eat also. So just think about it yourself. One of the requirements under FISMA is for produce farms to send one supervisor to an FDA-approved food safety training. Viomini describes her experience with the Produce Safety Alliance Grower Training. The FISMA that yeah, the UC extensions they offer us when it's time time for when the classes are here, they offer it to everybody for free. It, it's a good chance, good opportunity to learn. So I try to attend to attend most of the classes they offer just to from my own knowledge, there's always room to grow and room because you don't know, there's always questions. You could always learn and by attending those classes I was able to know about pesticide and 
to the food safety, how long we're supposed to, yeah, the reentry of when we are able to pick for food safety reasons. Right Complying with FSMA can be challenging for all farmers, but especially small farmers whose growing and processing practices different from larger farms. Yomini described one of the challenges of attending a food safety training with larger farms. It was a couple of years ago I went to the food safety with uh, bigger farms and it was hard in relating to a big farm with since you're the only small farm and they're mainly majoring like talking about big farms you're lost until I was really lost until recently I went to the classes with Michael and the UC extension when I finally realized oh okay I get it because it's more in a smaller scale they're talking a smaller scale instead of a larger scale so it's more understandable in a since you're able to see it and hear other farmers talk about it when you're doing the same crop and same stuff. Although FSMA does not require farms to write a food safety plan, plans can be a helpful tool to keep track of a farm's risk and risk reduction practices. I've been working with Viomini for almost a year to develop her farm's food safety plan and practices. Right now we are, I would say, in my own opinion, we're in the middle of it. It doesn't seem like nothing much is done, but everything, we're preparing everything for next year. So as soon as we start cleaning up and then before everything starts, we're going to start printing everything all down into actual visuality, I guess. Right now, everything's all paperwork and everything's all ordered. We have all our equipment all ordered and we're ready to go for next year. I would say beginning to middle, that's where we're at. We're not to the end yet. <laughs> so we're still in the beginning to the middle. It's a, it's still a learning process for us, especially since we're taking, we're, we are like doing it upfront now. Because back then, yeah, they required, but they don't really require demanded. And so this time around, we're gonna actually try to reinforce everything on the farm, our farm at least. We ordered the sanitizer, the all the sanitizer is ready, the buckets and stuff is ready to go, it's all at home. Our first aid kit is ready to go, but as soon as everything starts, everything is cleaned up, we're gonna start expanding the farm, the big farm a little bit, if we're still here. We're gonna expand the shack a little bit to have a little section for the break room or area where they sit and chit chat and eat and we're gonna start bringing all the pallets from the other farm back over here so we could start organizing all the boxes together and from there we're gonna see what goes on what else we need but that's what i'm visually seeing in my own head so it might be different when we actually do it but that's what i'm seeing happen Having a food safety plan can be a helpful tool when needing a reminder of what to do in certain situations and can also be used to communicate the farm's food safety plan when first implemented. They're helpful to me because it shows me what needs to be done and it also gives a description, so that's good. It gives you an example, a certain example of if something happens at the farm, then you have to go book or organizer that you could go to just in case you get lost like me right now <laughs> we all have that book to go to and to tell me what steps i need to be done just in case someone gets injured or any rare occasions like we have a visitor some dogs or cat visiting our farm sometimes 
and we have a, a section there where what needs to be done or maybe we have tons of birds visiting us during the winter and they decide to cover a whole farm <laughs> with their poop so we have an incident where they tell us what need, what needs to be done what we need to do in order to do the food you know practice food safely and to give out to our consumers good safe food for them to eat Fiomini describes some of the unique food safety challenges she faces as a small farmer growing on leased land. I think most farmers, they would, there's a lot of language barriers, especially with farming. Especially right now, we mainly have the older generation. Most of the younger generation, they're going to the workforce. They're not really into coming to the farm. There's definitely language barrier, communicating how to enforce this and that to the older generation, I would say. But I think if they are, they're able to see it visually, they would be able to understand it more, more in a way, instead of us telling, oh, we need to do, this is what they say we need to do, how need to have. And they're like, uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, I think there's definitely language barrier in as a small farmer, maybe in a large farm too, but for as for my own community, I know there's language barriers in between. I think if they're able to understand more, they really, I think they would fully go and reinforce their whole farm to life to me. If you own the land, it'd be totally different because it is your land and you want everything best for yourself. As for leases, even if you do it, but the owner appreciate what you're doing for them, like water testing and all these stuff that you're doing to the land, leveling it and stuff, would they appreciate you and stuff. But it's your own land, you feel like, oh, okay, it's giving me a good output. It is my own land, so I need to take care of it. My family's using it, my next, the next generation and so on is using it. So I definitely think it's a mixed difference. Viomini also tells us about another unique challenge she faces from a very unlikely source. I have a dad who loves reorganizing stuff. Even though he's already organized, he loves rearranging stuff from here and there. It doesn't matter if it's the boxes or the pallets or whatever. If he thinks it's messy in his eyes, he'll rearrange the whole thing. And when we try to tell him we need the pallet to stay, the boxes need to stay on the pallet, He's like, okay, if I use the wood, it'd be the same as using a pallet. I said, no, you have to raise it up. So that's where our main concern is. But this year, I think we, next year, we probably have to be really strict on him, even though he gets mad at us about rearranging stuff. That's one thing about my dad. FISMA requires that farmers keep certain records that document their food safety practices, like when they train their employees. Luckily, Farms can keep either paper records or electronic records. Most of the record keeping is mainly paperwork. I haven't really, I'm not really too good with electronics. I'm more visual and I like to write down. I think maybe because when I'm writing it down, I'm also reading it and also memorizing what I'm writing down. So it's a lot more helpful than computer But then at the same time, I'm trying to get myself into the computer and generating all my information and um, going into the computer section. So that's one of the goals that I have for myself this year, for next year, is to 
be able to electronically process all the information into the computer base instead of in case um, I lose my paperwork like I often do. Yeah, that's one of my goals this year is to really do the paperwork online and stuff. Viomini shares her goals for this year, her long-term goals, and some recommendations for small farmers. I think um, first it's very hard, very complicated, but just as long as you're patient and you take the time to learn, it's a learning process. So no matter what we do in life, we have to learn, learn step by step. There's a lot of steps for food safety. So I think one of the main part is for you to learn. Be patient. You might not get it today. You might not get it the next day, but you'll soon get it. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm learning day by day. I'm trying to implement these food safety and trying to learn it myself and try to understand. Because some of the wording are very difficult. And especially, I have to admit, at, at the beginning, I was stuck on it for a couple months because I didn't know what type of exemption I was. <laughs> so... That's hard and harder itself. It's just trying to decide, are you full exemption? Or there's a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, I was stuck on that for a while. So I, it's a learning process. Just be patient. It takes time. Everything takes time. Just as long as you have, you believe in yourself, that you're able to do it. And you trust in yourself and trust in you, the people around you and those helping you. You're able to accomplish that task, the food safety task that you have set in your mind. They, this is my first actual year in planting so much watermelon and um, really into learning about it. And I'm hoping that this coming year we'll be able to get a tractor and stuff. Oh, plus next year I'll be learning how to do the drip system. So that's new to me. So I'm looking forward to learning how to do the drip system because the owner of a place that I'm leasing next year, she's going to be teaching me the steps to it. So I'm looking forward to learning the drip system. Long-term goal is to actually one day be able to purchase our own land and just to, you know, be able to take care of my family. That's my term. My long-term goal is to be able to take care of my whole family and be able to produce reliable, good food throughout the whole time I'm as a farmer be able to do that without getting no bad incidents happening. <laughs> so that is the goal. Oh, and here's one last anecdote from Biomini to get you inspired to support small farmers in your community. I think farming is really rewarding, even though it's a lot of physical labor, but it's very rewarding. You see, you plant them since they were babies and then you see them growing and dying. So it's a very... <laughs> It's like a baby, pampering your baby. <laughs> Let's just say that. So it's a very rewarding job as a farmer, I would say. CAF is a nonprofit organization that has been helping small farmers across California with technical assistance and policy advocacy since 1978. If you're curious about things you learned in this episode, head over to our show notes at calf.org slash farmersbeat. That's B-E-E-T, where we have links, resources, and photographs. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and follow us on Instagram at calf underscore fam farms to stay up to date on when new episodes are released and see more pictures from the farms featured in this podcast. This podcast would not exist without funding from the California Specialty Crop Small and Medium Scale Farm Food Safety Technical Assistance Program, 
made possible by the United States Department of Agriculture. The contents of this podcast are solely the responsibility of CAF and do not necessarily represent the official views of the USDA. We thank them for their support of this work and helping real farmers share their food safety tips to other farmers. Are you a farmer interested in being in a future episode or have a question related to this podcast? You can contact us at thefarmersbeat at calf.org. Thank you for listening and join us for the next episode from CAF, sharing farm fresh insights right from the field and giving voice to sustainable agriculture since 1978.